I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. In this podcast, we have a win against Exeter, the draw against Plymouth, look ahead to Leicester and answer your podcast questions. This is the Board Breakdown podcast and this is where you're boring their chatter in a pod. Support. Curtis Fleming is there on the edge of the air. Fleming for That's Craig it. Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. Avanelli coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Avanelli spots out. Hello and welcome to the Bora Breakdown podcast with Johnny, Dana and Tom. We're the Bora podcast that gives you all of your Bora match day chatter in a podcast. And Bora are in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup and 11th in the championship table. Four points off the championship places. Um, guys, as always, your key takeouts from a world, win, a world win of a week uh, in Devon. And Dana, how would you uh, sum all of that up in one key takeout? Well, one word, chaos. We've had a lot of goals to talk about for this week, 11. So we won't be shy of talking points and topics to tackle in this podcast. And yeah, it's just a return of chaotic borough, really, from last season that scored a lot and also conceded quite a few. I think a big focus has been put on board defensively particularly after yesterday's game but I think you're gonna get that aren't you we're gonna get right into it so yeah just chaos just just a a very boring week Johnny nothing's happened really has it no no I I don't even know why we're recording to be honest I (laughs) I can't remember one thing that happened from from this week Uh, should we we wrap it up now yeah why not I think everyone would be happy with that um Tom give me your key takeout before we wrap things up well, I had a different one, but I think chaos is right. Like you look at the the two games that we've had this week, and you know Exeter scoring two absolute worldies, and you know Morgan Rogers getting one, and then obviously there's been the the storm on the south coast this week, so the weather wasn't particularly great for the the Plymouth game. That probably factored into into the match as well. Uh, other than the fact that you know Plymouth are a good team, and I'm fully expecting them to to be staying up this season and and starting the first step of their new five year plan, but um, yeah, just chaotic week. I'm missing not conceding after you know I, I, I missed last weekend and clearly a very poor performance that I've missed against Stoke. I've not even watched the highlights back because I, I don't want to put myself through that, but um. Yeah, just I wanted to to go back to what it was a couple of weeks ago where we weren't conceding and you know we were winning two or three nil or four nil yeah. against Sunderland. Yeah, exactly. And you know it's always harder 
against 10 men, as Sunderland found out yesterday with a Joe Nil-Nil against Swansea. But I think for, for my key takeout, I would say, yeah, just chaos. It was absolute chaos. Um, and what a great, like, two games of football. I think for a neutral, it's fantastic. But I think for us, where you have to, like, dissect things, you have to look back and you go, why are we so, like, open? Or are we open? Are we defensively naive? Are we rubbish? Oh, we're just unfortunate, and there's just so much you can kind of dissect on Borough at the moment. I just really enjoyed it as a whole. I think going forward, we're brilliant defensively, we could always improve, but I think there's you know, we can always come on to that. But yeah, a very chaotic week, and it all started at Exeter in the Carabao Cup as well, where we made six changes uh, to the side with Glover, Bangura, Dyke Steel, Hackney, Silvera, Rogers, and Laerlaf all coming in. And then, obviously, what a great cup tie! Um, but what would be your overall assessment of the game? It was an entertaining game. I will say I enjoyed it, even though my stream is about 10 weeks behind and it was in Portuguese, but it was quite fitting that it was in Portuguese. It was actually a Brazilian stream because when Morgan Rogers scored, the commentator was shouting, Golazo, which I think was probably a perfect description of it, actually. And you could probably gauge how long that Golazo went on for as per Portuguese commentary. But I think the scoreline probably makes Exeter look a little bit better than they were. The narrative may be that they were unfortunate and that they were close to getting something. And I guess in reflection of the actual scoreline, they were. They were a goal away from taking it to penalties or whatever it is. But I actually thought they struggled throughout the game. Borough did dominate, even in the first half, where we had all that possession, but just didn't have that punch to it. We just needed to quicken the tempo and we did that in the second half. You could see we, we were getting into our groove. I was actually just about to tweet that Borough were getting into our groove and then it came up on my phone that we'd scored, but I didn't actually see that goal until about 10 minutes later. But it, it wasn't really a surprise that we managed to get that goal and what a fantastic goal it was as well. I think Exeter really struggled to deal with us, particularly through the middle. They, they struggled to gatekeep Barlasser and Hackney and also out wide as well, because that was a game that had two goals in which players were cutting inside and shooting. And I think their fullback Harper really struggled to defend against that. So it was as I expected from Exeter. I think their quality just wasn't quite there, but to be fair, I mean, the first goal that they scored was fantastic, wasn't it? I'm not going to sit here and discredit that. It was one hell of a strike from Trevor. I think the second one is deflected, so I am not going to class that as a worldie, but the fans can, it's up to them. But 3-2 maybe not as reflective of the two performances as what might be expected. But happy that we got through. I knew that we would probably make it a little bit more difficult for ourselves, as I predicted on the pod beforehand, but it's the borough way, isn't it? Yeah, it definitely is. And look at that that game as well. Like Two shots on target that they had, and the both went in the back of the net. They didn't create a single thing afterwards, um, but that's just very much cup football, as, a, as the pundits would say, a proper cup tie. Um, mm. but, uh, but Exeter were in that 5-4-1 shape, Tom, out of possession. They tried to sit back, they tried to nullify Borough to some extent, but we were still passing through. What were your thoughts all, on Borough's reaction? Because, you know, not just to go behind the level and then to go ahead and then go back level again and then to win the game. What were your thoughts on that? I think in Bora's mentality side of things and just Bora trying to to really progress in, in the club as well. You know what? I hate saying this because as a Bora fan, I feel like it's tempting fate and I'm I've never been used to this in like all my time as a Bora fan. I just kind of expected it. I mean, it's obviously a great quality for the the team to have going in was it two one down yesterday against Plymouth and you know, one nil down um at half time against Exeter. I think just before half time, Sammy Silvera just had that 
outside foot shot that was tipped over the bar. It only looked like it was going one way on uh, on Tuesday night. I still thought we we're going to come back and and win this. And then yesterday, going in two one down at half time, I was looking at it and I was like, oh, it, it's kind of like that GTA meme where he's like, "Ah, oh, here we go again." Like you just kind of you, you think it's going to happen. So I mean, like I say, it, it's such a good quality for for the team to have. And I don't remember too many other Borough teams of of me as supporting Borough where we could go in down at half-time and I'll still be thinking, I'm going to turn it around in the second half and win this. Yeah, I always think of Tony Mowbray's uh, Millsborough, actually, uh, with that, because we always used to go like 1-0 down and then it just somehow we started to play then. It was just like, oh, well, can we just let these score first and just like, you know, like we'll crack on from that. But I think when we're coming back is a, is a really good thing. It's a good, sh- uh, good show of mentality. And also second half as well, we tend to score, I think it's about 75% of our goals. I think it come from the second half as well. But uh, the two or three goals, you can kind of say Boris scored. You can't really call Leia laughs at a world here because it's a penalty. Uh, but Rodgers <laughs> and Silvera. Well, what was your favourite? Was Trevitz one of your favourite from that week, Dana? Was it, or was it Morgan Rodgers? Was it Silvera? What are you going to go for? Well, I've got to be biased, haven't I, and say that it's a Borough goal that will get my worldie of the week. And it has to be Morgan Rogers. He seems to do that a lot in training. He put a little compilation on Instagram where it's that little shift and shoe. And I just love goals that arrow into the top corner. I think they're really delightful. And the curl on it as well. It was a game of curlers, shall we say. And I will give credit to Trevitz, though, because I think it caught Glover out immeasurably. And it was, I mean, it caught me out on the stream when I saw it. I thought, is that actually just like the the amount of worldies that we seem to concede this season? Part of me thought, have we really just conceded that? Then the other part of me thought, of course we did. <laughs> We've done it all season. So yeah, credit to Trevor for that. But I have to go with Morgan Rogers. It was a fantastic strike. Yeah, Tom, what are you going to go for? What was uh, your worldy of the week? It was like the last penalty. Let's be real. No, it, it's it's got to be Morgan Rogers. Um, I just wasn't expecting it from him when he cut inside, to be honest. And seeing that fly into the top corner, it was just reminiscent of like FIFA 13 and then finesse shots everyone <laughs> used to yeah. absolutely spam all the time. It just looked like oh, Morgan Rogers has based his game on that. Yeah, definitely. And, and look, Rogers again, like two goals in three games now as well. And he's really starting to come in a, a bit of form. Do you think it's time, like Tom, now that we, we actually integrate him back into the 11? And whose place does he actually take? See, the thing is with that, I'd like him to be in the eleven, but also it's only really Crooks's place that he could take, and Crooks hasn't mm-hmm. done anything to get dropped. For me, I mean, we we talked about with the last pod I was on, Crooks has been consistently good and consistently improving in that number ten position. So I think Morgan Rogers is potentially in a similar situation to to what Dan Barlasa had found himself in earlier in the season before he kind of had that run of games where he's kind of like just really waiting for for an opportunity to break into the team. It might not necessarily be, you know, performing out your skin in a cup game. It's going to be if someone gets suspended for a game or they're ill for a game or something like that and you come into the first team in the league and then perform, which is a shame because I think he is improving. I think he's, every time we kind of see him play now, he's looking a lot better than the start of the season where he's been used as a striker, been used out of position. We didn't really see what he was all about, but he's got a fair few goals now in, in the Cups and he is looking much better. So 
like I say, it, it, it's just going to be the case of, of waiting for that opportunity and seizing it when it comes along. Yeah, and just with him as well, I know there's, there's more players that are on the sidelines at the minute and they're probably going to maybe he'll come back in. Obviously, I'm thinking of Ryan McGreaves. Will he come back in the side when he's fit again? But also there's like Alatha Silvera who could potentially state a claim as well. So, Dan, is there anyone else that you think probably warrants a star position at the moment as well as probably Morgan Rogers? Not really. As bad as that sounds, I think Silvera is okay as an impact player. And then Latte Lath, I think it's quite telling of Latte Lath that Josh Colburn has, in the eyes of the fans anyway, maybe gone through a little bit of a tough period in which he's probably really had to feed off scraps, essentially. And yet Latte Lath hasn't started in place of him. I think there was a point after one of the recent games where you maybe thought, okay, now you want to see Latte Lath start, and he didn't. And I think that maybe tells the story about Latte Lath. I don't think he necessarily really impressed against Exeter, but it's all about the service to Latte Lath. Him and Corburn are two completely different players. Corburn can pin a centre-half and use his physicality. I mean, he's a big lad. He's, what, six foot four. It's his big physical frame that... You know, if you adhere to that, if you give him that type of service, then I think he'll get a lot better fortunes than, for example, Latte Lath doing that. Because Latte Lath's the type of striker that wants to get in behind and make those runs. We see his good movement quite frequently. So I think it's really down to the service there. But I wouldn't say necessarily impress me so much against Exeter. And, and Sammy Silvera as well is really, really, really infuriating because his style of play when he's on the ball is to try to cut inside and shoot, except his shooting is really, really poor. And I know that he scored against Exeter and I know that, you know, he's obviously scored in the league as well recently, but there's he just spoons too many shots out of play and it really frustrates me. So I think for now, you've got also got to factor in where does Sammy Silvera play? He plays in that left wing position and at the moment, Sam Greenwood is playing okay there. So, yeah. They made an impact, they scored, obviously, but I think keeping them where they are as impact players is probably the best thing to do right now. But we do have fixtures coming up, we're going to have to use the squad, so you know, when we get into the Christmas period, we're going to have to use them. Yeah, we will. And I quite like Lattie Laff, you know, and I know you're saying that this, the two different players for Corbin and, and Lattie Laff, but I, he does hold the ball up well, and he does connect the the player, but I just think there's, there's just more to it. I think I need to keep seeing... You know, he does look dangerous. And I thought Corbin probably had his best game in, in a while uh, yesterday, but we'll come on to him in, in a moment. But in terms of like anyone else, I think obviously Rogers, I think is your, is your natural uh, next player to come in. You know, I thought Bangura did well against Exeter, but I think uh, Lucas Angles was just playing really consistent at the moment. Obviously still improvements to, to be made for him. Other than that, I can't really see uh, anyone else coming in. But obviously Bora through I now. Bangura. Like, I, oh, I, I just... Well, I do I mean, want to mention two very shit Yeah, they were. I think his expected assist was not point not two, so basically nothing. But yeah, Bangura, I completely forgot about him, to be honest. He quite impressed me going forward. Defensively wasn't really tested, let's be honest. But I quite like the look of Bangura and just a point on Rogers as well. Could he maybe play in Jones's role? He has played right wing before. Uh, I think with Rogers, if he does play in that number 10 position, I want to see him deeper because when he was taking the ball from deep against Exeter, it was really dangerous. I think one of Rogers' problems is his first touch. When that ball, that low ball along the floor from the centre halves to that number 10 is played, he, he, he doesn't really, like, he struggles to trap it, I feel. 
And so I want to see him pick the ball up from deep, from Hackney or House, and just that little pass off. And then when he drives with the ball, he's very dangerous. So if he does start in that number 10 position in the foreseeable future, I'd like him to attack the game in that way rather than being quite high advanced in the pitch and then taking the ball in those areas. And just before I move on to Port Vale, Anthony Dykesteel, give me more Dykesteel. <laughs> I want it, Michael Carrick. I want to see Anthony Dykesteel on that football pitch. And yes, I love Rav Vandenberg. I think he's absolutely fantastic. And I think we're going to sell him for loads. But, you know, play Vandenberg at centre-half, you know, with maybe Dale Fry, and we'll see how that goes. Um, and get Anthony Dykesteel on that right-back position because I just absolutely love him. His turn the other night was fantastic. and just so good to see him back in, in, a, in a Boris shirt after so long out. But let's chat about Portville because, you know, probably I would kind of say the best draw you could ask for. It is. Um, in term, you know, obviously Uche is there as well. So that kind of creates a former Bora player narrative to score against us. And we'll see how that goes. But Dana, obviously, I mean, it probably is the best draw, right? It is, absolutely. And I think Port Vale fans will be thinking the same as well after the simmer down from being fuming that they didn't get a Premier League tie, which that frustration is is understandable. When you get to the quarterfinals, they made club history by getting to this part of the competition. You want that big Premier League draw, don't you? So apologies, Port Vale fans. But it is it does represent for both teams the best route to progression. And I will heed caution here because this is maybe not a team, but the same club that got beat by Burton and knocked out in 2018 and then in 2008 got knocked out by Cardiff. So, you know, we are, we have dabbled in the odd of being victims of a cup upset and I just hope that that doesn't happen. But yeah, without doubt, you cannot escape from the fact that it's, um, or the opinion, sorry, that it's the best possible draw for both teams and hopefully Borough can progress. But yeah, there's just that niggling typical boreness in the back of my mind that's thinking, God, don't get too excited. Yeah. Tom, what's your thoughts on it uh, as well? Because do you fancy our chances getting through with the semis? Um, I would say yes. It's like like we said, it's the most favourable draw we could have asked for. It's the most favourable draw they could have asked for. Let's not be complacent. They are going to be well up for it. There's a few Explorer players in there. One of them tends to to score against us for for fun. You know, the other two are goalkeepers, so who who knows if they're going to have worldies or not. But um, yeah, it, it would be written and it would be typical if they did. But it is the best chance of progression, and I'm sure we'll be be well up for it in December. But I start every season not really caring about the Carabao Cup in particular. I'm just like, ah, oh, we're going to get knocked out, and we'll just get on with the Championship season. I think even so, just like how often do you see a championship team like go to the final or even win it? Like it's it's not a realistic thing. And now I'm coming down with like cup fever. I'm just like, all right, I can't wait until Paul Vale. Now I don't think I'll be going because it's like the week before Christmas. But I'll get past that and then into the semis and two legs against. I'm, I'm assuming it's still two legs. It's been a while since we got to that stage of a competition, but. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, two legs against what is, well, hopefully uh, an average Premier League team. Worst case scenario, a very good Premier League team. That that would just be immense for, for us. And a similar similar kind of situation to what Paul Vale had been thinking, where they were like, we wanted a Premier League tie. And, you know, Premier League, the cup money and the, the ticket money from that would be great for their, their club. If we get to the semi-final, it's exactly the same scenario for us, really. So... 
that has to be looked at as like a massive success for this season. Even even if we only progress to the semi-finals and get battered, it's still a massive success for us. Yeah, it definitely is. And you never know, we could actually go all the way. It was an interesting one, though, because we were always saying there about like money and getting to the semi-finals, but our game didn't get caught, uh, caught for, for TV, which I thought was a very strange one. And, you know, when you think of exposure and what this could mean to the lower league clubs, obviously Port Vale, obviously being a couple of divisions below, you'd think that this could really help us. But instead, it's two Premier League team, well, two games from Premier League teams. And it's just like, I see these near up every week on, on Sky. So why don't you at least pick something a little bit different? But do you guys have any thoughts on on that side of things, uh, Tom and Dana? I feel like if it wasn't on Sky Sports, we would have been picked. <laughs> Sky Sports will be be looking at it and thinking, "Oh, the Premier League is where we make all our money, and we're just going to show Liverpool versus West Ham, even though you're probably going to see it on two Sundays this season." <laughs> if if it was like the FA Cup and it was on BBC, I feel like we probably would have been the ones picked there, and you know, probably also the Newcastle one because it is like potential history for them, kind of ongoing, but. Yeah, I think it's just down to which TV station it's on and Sky clearly know, know their audience and what's going to bring in the money. It's just a shame they couldn't televise all four, really. Yeah. But, you know, I'm sure we'll be, be on TV in, like, Australia or something. And you know. <laughs> Brazil. Yeah. <laughs> Got a big fan base in Brazil, you know. Yeah, massive. It's absolutely massive. Bra- Brazil, the goals, goals Yeah, exactly. You know, Janino, Emerson, Branco. They're all there, mate. You know what I mean? So, Afonso Alves, you know, household name in Brazil, isn't he? Uh, so, who knows? But then, is there anything else that you want to add to that before we move on to Plymouth? Yeah, it's not surprising, but it's just annoying, isn't it? You think about the narrative of Port Vale getting to this stage of the competition for the first time in their history, the exposure that they could receive off the back of that. It's just boring from Sky. We've kind of come to expect it, haven't we? I'm sure that they'll put the next one on if we get there, but it's more that I'm kind of offended on the behalf of Port Vale, which is kind of like it's none of my business, but at the same time, like it would be good exposure for a League One club, the lower mid-table in, the, in their respective division. It would just be good exposure for them, but it is what it is. Yeah, and obviously Newcastle on TV again. Did you know that since they've been taken over, they've been the most televised team on, on Sky and they've always got loads of half-five kickoffs and, you know, and half or so. I mean, what does that tell you? You know the, what I mean? I'm glad we didn't get them. Yeah, they'll have oh, yeah. channel, yeah. Sky Sports Newcastle, it's, it's probably coming in the next year. Yeah, probably is. I mean, I'll cancel know. my Sky subscription if that happens. Tom, <laughs> God, oh, there'll be there'll be something going on as well, like around payoff referees, because obviously you know, referees are in mm-hmm. Saudi now, and you know they're all getting favourable decisions. Just, just, just throwing that out there. To be fair, but, their fans, their fans think the Carabao Cup draws fixed because uh, you know they, they they didn't get an average team in the uh, in the quarterfinals. <laughs> well, oh, we've just had United, City, and Chelsea. It's rigged against us, but they're on telly every week, so stuff them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stuff them. And anyway, that's the last that's, that's enough for Newcastle chat. But let's move on to uh Plymouth now where Borough drew three three at home park and it again another firework game in Devon. Borough coming uh from behind, of course, to nearly snatch it and then Waker's free kick um right at the end, you know, seal the draw. But Tom, what was your assessment of the game against Plymouth? Obviously Borough going ahead with Corbin, then going behind, then going ahead again, and then being pinned back. What's so what's your assessment? Entertaining game. I hope we don't see many more like it. Uh, is is my assessment. 
it, it kind of really reminds me of there was a game, I think it was the season that Swansea went up, and I, I'm pretty sure they beat it was like four three at the Riverside, and everyone came out mm. with it and like, oh, it's it's such a was such an entertaining game to watch, and I was like, yeah, but we've still conceded four goals and and lost. Like, we shouldn't be coming out of that happy. I'd much rather see us go to somewhere like that and win one nil and and grind it out than see a three three draw. To be totally honest, um, I, I thought we probably deserved the win on on balance of play, but I don't want to take anything away from Plymouth because I thought they played really well. And I was expecting them to as well. I'm not going to sit here and pretend I watched a lot of them in League One or anything like that. I saw a couple of their games on the AFL highlight show when they're like, I couldn't find the remote and couldn't turn it off after the championship pass last season. <laughs> but I remember watching their games and thinking, they're top of the league. They're going to be decent in the in the championship next year. I don't think they're going to go down. I think they're obviously a really... Well-run club, they've got a style of play, they've stuck with their style of play in the championship, and I think it, it's going to keep them up. They played well yesterday, like I say, entertaining game to watch. I just personally don't want to see many more like that from Borough. <laughs> yeah, and look, uh, Plymouth for me, really good team. Uh, at home, away from home, they look dire, to be honest. But when I seen them yesterday, really going in possession, I feel like they just missed two or three players. You know who they could have really done with? someone who pins the ball up at the top, who holds the ball up and plays off to the wingers. And that, would, for me, would have been really effective. So quite funny that we had uh, Corburn, who you know isn't always perfect, but he kind of gives you some sort of vocal point up top. Um, but then what's your thoughts on Plymouth as well? I thought Stephen Schumacher and Stein were, were really, really good yesterday and maybe we'll cut Borough up and that, which I think it's the first time I've seen a team do it probably this season where they kind of cut us up and try to get in the back post and, and score. See, last week was, was Stoke, but a little bit different because it was time and time again. But what's your overall thoughts on uh, the Maka side? I really was impressed with them. I was probably far more impressed with them than I was with us yesterday. I thought mm. they were maybe the best side that we faced this season and they caused us problems. They really, really did. It was that underlapping run because they pinned the wingers so high it enabled those underlapping runs on the inside and we could not deal with that. Their movement was really good. Maybe a little bit soft in midfield and I think the fact that they were pushing a few men forward to create overloads out wide did allow for Borough to have a few opportunities on the other side from counter-attacks. And it, yeah, it was a, it was a bonkers game, wasn't it? I was half expecting Neil Warnock to suddenly spawn on the pitch with his fanny pack and his signed photos of himself. But it was a very entertaining game again, big theme of of this week. And yeah, I, I was really impressed with them, which is why part of me thinks, I know that there's this opinion post-match that, that it was two points dropped, but it's kind of why I lean more on the side of it could actually be a decent point because you look at Plymouth and maybe... People think that recently promoted teams, it takes them a while to really get into the groove of the championship, et cetera, et cetera. They look really good, to be fair. They, they're set up really well under Schumacher. And they've got some really good individual players that culminates into this really good collective unit that play football. And yes, they might be a little bit poor defensively, but it's a little bit like us in that, are you really wanting to scale it back no, you want to take that risk in order to hopefully become more of a refined unit in the future. And I think that they will be. But yeah, they they were a fantastic team, I thought. And 
Borough maybe maybe it is a good point for us in the end against them. Yeah, and I just want to add to that as well. Like when you look at probably their underlying numbers and look at the, the ratings of the team, they're actually just one place below Middlesbrough in the flat mob ratings, of course. And who, if you look at like different sites like who scored and FBRF, etc., and you look at like the, the ratings of teams, they're actually just one position below Middlesbrough, which it kind of shows that the creating probably a plenty of plenty of chances, they're really good in possession. They've got some good individual players that you mentioned there, Dan. I think for me, they just miss maybe two or three players, I think, which could really add to the team. You think about depth as well, where they might probably try and improve on. And obviously that five-year plan for them to become more of a sustainable club in the championship will potentially happen. Uh, it was quite funny that obviously we spoke about a five-year plan in the preview show. We released it. And then the next day, they released a new five-year plan around the championship. <laughs> and I was like, very typical Bora Breakdown content for that for us, to be honest. But... Tom, there was in the game yesterday, Josh Corbin, it was he was gonna to go to Plymouth on loan. And you know what? It could still potentially happen in January. Who knows? I think it depends on Boris' business, but you know, it was written in the stars that he was gonna score uh yesterday. And what was your overall thoughts on his game, you know, his build up as well? Because I thought he really contributed to Boris' attack and threat yesterday. I think he did, and he's he did that better than any other game I've seen him play this season. Uh, obviously, I didn't watch a Stoke game, so I can't comment on that. I don't know how he did there, but I, I think a lot of the time, other than the first game he came in, which I think was against Southampton, wasn't it? Where I thought he did well. I think his build-up play has been a little bit poor at times. And I would put that down to it just being a learning curve coming into a championship team, starting every week against championship defenders. He's obviously going to get better at it. But yesterday, I thought he was doing well. Some of the, like you said, the build-up play, some of the, the balls he was able to play off from holding it up were very good at times. Definitely an improvement on, on what I've seen from him before. Hopefully, he can, he can keep that up. Yeah, and would you uh, keep him in the team, uh, Tom, for, for Leicester? Would you like like to see him start up front again? I'm not sure. And I would say most weeks, I'm I'm not really sure because I, I think it's uh, it's it's difficult to pick between him and like they laugh at the moment because the the both offer different qualities. I would say probably just for consistency and the fact that he scored two yesterday. If not, I thought he was a bit fortunate with the the penalty rebound that it just kind of like fizzed off uh, Michael Cooper's hand across the face of goal straight back to Corbin. I think for the fact that he scored yesterday keep his place against Leicester and then go for our usual kind of tactic of, you know, let Coburn wear everyone out and bring Laddell off on for the last 20 minutes and let him run at him. Yeah. And you know what? When I look at Laddell and I look at Coburn, I sometimes think that, well, I wonder what you two would be like together, like as, as a partnership and just see how it would potentially work. I think there's so much opportunity there for us to maybe like, find something or test something with them what I do like is you know Corbin can hold the ball but sometimes I feel like he always just needs someone next to him to kind of take, make the most out of that and I think like a laugh could really do that obviously you, you lose a position where you lose a bit of space where uh, where um, Crooks would normally be but for me I think you could potentially put like a laugh in that role or you could put a Rogers in that role and have that mobility there might create like a, a really good option for us and I'd be really keen to see that if we could test it and it's obviously on character to do so, but obviously, you know, Crooks is playing well at the moment, but there is an opportunity there to to maybe test it. And of course, if you do do that, you don't have a strike on the bench to come on and make an impact. But then, uh, 
I kind of want to get your final thoughts on Corburn in general, around just to see if you, you'd put him in the squad against Leicester, and then we'll move on to, to Millsborough conceding more to goals. <laughs> yeah, well, easy answer for me, I think, yes. I agree with you, though. I would like to see them two play together. I think sometimes you see Corburn, and you, you rightly mentioned it there, he'll hold the ball up, but he just needs that runner rushing on to it. And I think that Latte Lath obviously is that. I will say, I'll add to our point at the top of the show about Latte Lath. He is physical as well, but it's just a different type of physicality. I think that when Latte Lath has the ball, he can shoulder defenders off. We have seen it, but in terms of pinning, I'm not so sure. I mean, he's he's a little lad, isn't he, Latte Lath? He's five foot eight. But I would like to see them two play together. I just don't think we'll see it because the lack of depth in that position is probably, it, it's a little bit dangerous in terms of if one of them gets injured, we're well, we're already thin on the ground. We're even thinner on the ground if that happens. So I don't think we'll see it, but I would like to see it. Yeah. Um, on the other end of the pitch, though, <laughs> we talk about this new every week on this podcast yep. and it's a riddle that we cannot solve. But if we look at the underlying numbers yesterday, 3-1 to Borough, obviously we know why. And we drew 3-3. But another two from distance. There's 10 goals that we've considered this year, the next year of 0.49, which are all pretty much worldies. <laughs> and it gets to a point you're thinking, Dana, are Bora just really unlucky? Or are we just really poor defensively and in goal as well? I don't think you can say it as a blanket statement either way. I think you have to look at each goal individually. And with the two goals that we conceded yesterday, and I'll bring the third one in on this as well. Uh, sorry, the first one in on this. I don't think we were unfortunate. I think we were just really poor. And I'll talk about the first goal now, actually, because Plymouth do really well to pull us out onto their right-hand side and punch us down the left. We saw it quite frequently that they were dangerous from three-man combination attacks. Um, you see it in the, the equaliser. It's really clever from Kesler Hayden because he checks his shoulder to clock that run on the inside of him, which I mentioned earlier. We saw that quite frequently as they had their wide players very, very wide to the touchline. It allowed that inside run from a midfielder like Luke Cundall in this situation. And as uh, Kesler Hayden checks his shoulder, Luke Cundall is there. He, he dummies it. He kind of jumps over the ball, Kesler Hayden, as Luke Cundall is coming on to the ball. And it takes Engel and Hackney out the game like that. McNair then has to engage instead of sitting off. And it kind of baits him in only for Cundall to release Finn Azaz, uh, in the D. And I feel like Borough almost overcommit here. There's five players around Azaz at that point. And Vandenberg is probably the biggest culprit of an error here because he leaves Mumba, Bali Mumba, completely free. But I do also question Jones as well. I feel like he's got to get back there and help Vandenberg out by tracking that run from Mumba, but he just doesn't. And it opens up so much space for Mumba to have that shot. I mean, as soon as he was played in, I knew that it was going to be a goal because when you see a player with that much room in the penalty box, you know that it's at least going to be a shot on target and he wraps his foot around the ball and curls it beyond Dieng. It's just, it's really poor, I think, from Jones. He's got to suss that situation out and know that Vandenberg needs help, but also Vandenberg gets caught by that run from Azaz far too easy. There's just too many players around there for him to be attending to that. Just deal with the man on your shoulder, which is Bali Mumba. And then with the second goal, as well to make it 2-1 to Plymouth. Again, it's a three-man combination attack. Miller, Mumba, Azaz, we saw that link-up play quite frequently in that uh, in that game. And it's another really neat piece of play 
This time, a, a flick from Mumba. Azaz has the ball close to the corner of the box on their left-hand side. And if you watch the goal back, Morgan Whitaker makes a really good run, as he was doing quite frequently. He was hovering around that left-hand side. And he makes a run on the outside as Azaz is making a move inside and it's enough to catch the attention of Ralph Vandenberg and you can see because he points to it he points to that run from Whitaker, but then he disengages with the Zaz for a split second and it opens up that that window really of space for the Zaz to stop shift and shoot I would have liked to have seen Vandenberg shut off that avenue um, I know Whitaker has made that run, but I feel like Vandenberg should have been taking control of that situation there. But he did have a little bit of a struggling afternoon, I thought, Vandenberg, because I, firstly, I don't think he was helped too much. In that second goal, you saw that Jones was actually tracking back, but in the first one, he doesn't. I just feel like Vandenberg maybe needed a little bit more support there. But it was those inside runs, that the underlapping runs, that were causing them problems. You think about the Jones, Dyke Steel and Crooks combination from us. Plymouth were doing that, but with uh, Miller, Mumba and Azaz. So props to them for that. Caused us problems and they scored goals from those situations. Yeah, and I, what I really like about some teams when they when they do play that expansive style is, you know, it, it does stretch it does stretch you and it gives you that that thought when you're a defending team. Mm, do I go out? wide to it or do I stay in my position keep quite narrow because obviously when a ball's so far out wide they're not probably going to score from it you know yeah. the aim is to try and get the ball in the box or to bring the ball back in because that's obviously that's where the goal is very simple football mass um, and <laughs> I think with that as well I think on the Azaz goal the run from Whitaker you know you've got you got House in there as well who could potentially take that but I think it's just that run where it just takes a bit of shift of footwork from uh, from Vandenberg, which kind of puts him on the, the weight on that right foot, mm. which takes it away, creates that space. And it's a really good finish. He still has a lot to do, and it's a really good goal. And I think when you look at Borough's like, conceded goals from those really mad angles and from distance, I think there's always improvements that we could potentially make. From Is it from pressing? Is it trying to read a situation a little bit better? But there's still so much work to be done, and... It just, I think sometimes you are unlucky in that respect because, like, you've got still got a lot to do from 25 yards. You know, you're still not always going to hit mm. the, the shot from top bins every time. Nine times out of 10, this goes over the bar, hits someone with a pie. You know, it it just happens. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think Borough, unfortunate at that point, but there is still stuff that we could potentially do and being drilled. But the way that Plymouth play, you know, they do give chances away. It's so expansive. It creates sort of a lot of space in the middle of the pitch where you can create overloads you get them on the transition, I think, very, very quickly. And that's where you'll probably get most of your goals. And I think Borough should have really put the game to bed uh, yesterday. I think when we were ahead 1-0 and there was an opportunity for Jones uh, to play the ball through to Corburn, I even said to you guys, as that position was happening, I even voice noted as I was watching it. And I was like, Jones is going to lose this. And he lost it. And I was like... Mm-hmm. It was obviously funny. His final ball in that game and in recent games, probably since the Sunderland game actually, has has gone back to being poor, unfortunately. I really hope that it would continue to be good, but we've gone back to the poor crossing and poor final ball, poor decision-making type Jones, which is really frustrating and unfortunate. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? 
Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Yeah, and we'll come on to a minute in just a moment our podcast questions. But Tom, speaking of his ideas as well, got who's through on goal, gets brought down, edge of the box. We've seen this last year. Uh, against Sunderland and they were given a penalty when it was nowhere here in the box and we got a red card but do you think it was unfortunate for Bora, like for Plymouth not to be kind of down to 10 men because I feel like that could have again shifted the the scale of the game in Bora's favour again it was yeah and I mean letter of the law but I mean it was nowhere near a penalty let's start off by saying that it was outside the box and it was quite clearly outside the box however in that situation because of the double jeopardy law if you're you brought down outside the box and you're the last man, it's Tretters, you're not trying to play the ball and you denied a goal scorer an opportunity, it's a red card. Unlike if it if it was actually in the box, that would have been a yellow. So I think the referee got that wrong there. It probably should have been a red card. I was reading this morning the Plymouth manager saying they've had a couple in the last two games which were equally as horrific and for an eater take it on the chin and stuff. I mean, we, we shouldn't have to, but also Plymouth shouldn't have had to in the last couple of games. It it's um it'll probably even itself out. But um no, I'd I'd like to see some consistency in those decisions because that's like two examples in the last two seasons which have been handled wrong as uh, according to that law. But anyway, like, who is to say that that would have had an effect on on seeing the game out? You know, Plymouth might have still tried to to go after another goal and 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 you know got got the equaliser. Uh, we might have sat back and tried to see it out and invited pressure. Who knows? But I can see why Carrick was frustrated with that. For me, it should have been a red card and. Hopefully, it would have given us a little bit more to see out the game, but I'm sure it'll even itself out. Yeah, and well, we didn't see out the game in the end because uh, the Whitaker free kick and it was all square at the end, and anything could happen probably after when the when the rain started to come down because it looked absolutely horrendous uh, out there. A lot of people got wet, and included Michael Carrick, who looked absolutely drenched <laughs> on the touchline. <laughs> it got um, really dark as well, like really, really, yeah. really dark. I thought that like the weekend was going to come out to do a halftime Super Bowl performance or something. It was very odd. Like I was wondering where their floodlights were in the stands 
they just weren't there. So like there's just shadows rather than fans in the stands. It was very weird. And it happened like that as well. It was bright-ish and just ascended into darkness and rain. Yeah, it was a very niche music reference that dinner with like uh, the weekend coming up and uh, protecting. Mm. So that was very niche, but I like it was that. either that or Janet Jackson. But yeah, we won't <laughs> go with Janet. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll we'll get with Janet for a second. But I find final question on, on Plymouth, Tom, uh, you know, and Carrick in his in his post match presser said felt like a defeat, felt like we did enough to win the game. Game state obviously is a massive part of, of football. You know, if decisions don't go your way, you miss a certain chance and how a game can change. Do you think it was two points dropped in the end? Probably based on, on the actual game, I'd say yes. However, coming into this game, I'd have definitely taken a draw. And, you know, people might question that and say, like, Plymouth are, are down there in the table, like, we should be beating these teams. My view on it is that Plymouth are a good team. They're probably not where they should be in the league. I knew that was going to be a tough game. And for me, if we could draw away at Plymouth and then beat them at the Riverside and take four points off them this season, then that would be pretty pretty good thing to, to have on, on our record come the end of the season. I would say the same for for most good teams in this league, if we can draw away, if not win, and and then beat them at home, then you know it's, it's obviously going to be better for us. So... Like I said, I'd have taken that result going into it. I did think we did enough to win. Like I said, they, they might have been helped slightly by uh, incorrect refereeing decision. It could have impacted the game, but who knows? But yeah, based on the actual game, yes, two points dropped. Based on paper and just looking at it in the calendar, no, I think that's one point gained. Okay, then. Well, let's move on. Um, and it's now time for podcast questions. Yes, it's podcast question time now, and every week you get the chance to steal us, uh, send us a question via Twitter at bore underscore breakdown. Uh, email the bore breakdown at hotmail.com or by joining our Telegram chat with over 370 Bora fans chatting everything but Bora, and sometimes maybe occasionally Bora, maybe the odd debate here and there, but most of the time it's nothing to do with Bora at all. And the first question um, is from Nick, and it's on Twitter, and he says, uh, our defensive problems down to personnel or the way we play. Could this be the most entertaining mid-table football we've seen for a long time? Uh, I could probably take this one, I think. I'll take this one. I think it's a mixture of everything. We've said about this numerous times. Probably the last 12 months of my character in. Um, we score a lot of goals and we're really good attacking. I think we're one off 100 goals under my character in the space of a, a calendar year, which is very unheard of for probably any Borough team I think I've seen for a long time. <laughs> I think the way that we play, I think it's just a case it creates gaps in different areas. I think we are easy on the transition against uh, to play against, but on the flip side, we're really good at creating space, really good at creating chances. And can we really perfect the, our defensive things? I think we can still improve. I think we've made improvements from last season, but I think there's still a long way to go to it, kind of where I want to be in you know what, it might be an unpopular opinion, but I'd rather win a game uh, 5-4 than win it 1-0. And that's just the way that I kind of want to see football be played. I but... agree. Tom doesn't, but I agree. 
Look, and I'd, look, I'd and don't rather wrong. not concede. Yeah, well, look, don't get me wrong, Tom. I'm changing, you know, as a as a football manager now in terms of the way I play games. I'm very much, I've really evolved from someone who used to play like 80% possession. And now I love I love the long ball in the box. Literally, yeah, you are right a now, proper thief and Neil Warnock at the moment, aren't you? I am playing that way a little bit where like I get the ball and I send it back, give it to the wing back and absolutely hit it down the line, knock the ball in the box, just like, and my manager's in a tracksuit now and wears a cap like I'm like Johnny Pulis at the moment. Uh, Does he stand probably... up at press conferences as well? Oh yeah, stands up, only drinks Bovril, loves a pint with the lads, and just and gives his neighbours milk. Yeah, well, I would say he doesn't give his neighbours milk because he's lactose intolerant, but it's not the point. Um, <laughs> he likes everything else, <laughs> but the proper backstory in it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think look, we're we're in it really entertaining sides. I do think we'll be in the playoffs uh, come the end of the season. That's, that's the way things are, but we do need to improve defensively, I think. But right now, I think that's kind of, I think it's more down to personnel and the way we play rather than and more of a structural issue rather than just personnel itself. Um, but next question is from Balmbora um, and all the way from Thailand as well, which I think is a really cool thing. Uh, you know, Bora fans listening from Thailand, absolutely love that. I also love looking at our demographics and seeing like Australia, USA, Thailand, it's so cool to, to see as well. Um, and they ask, uh, if you could make changes at the back, who would you drop? And who would you bring back into the starting eleven? Tom Green, I'll go with you on this one. Who, who would you, uh, since you love a, a clean chase, who would you drop and who would you bring into the starting eleven? This is going to sound very contra- uh, contradictory towards my clean sheet statement, but it'd be Dyke Stealing for Vandenberg, just to offer a little bit more going forward on the right hand side. Um, <laughs> if he's able to kind of go forward, overlap Jones, interact with him and Crooks, I, I think we've got a pretty good combination on that right hand side, which. As much as I, I enjoy watching Vandenberg play, and I think he's going to be great for us, I don't think Vandenberg does that with Crooks and Jones on that right-hand side. I was saying to my uncle yesterday when we were watching the game, I wouldn't be surprised if in January, if McNair still hasn't signed a new contract, we sell McNair and we try and buy another right-back, um, knowing that Tommy Smith's out for the season. Because looking at who we've got as centre-back options at the moment, this is assuming Lenahan's going to be back soon and not like a very long-term injury. We'll have Lenahan, Vandenberg, Fry and Clark, who's obviously come back into, into the team, has been on the bench recently, I'm sure is just kind of waiting for a, an opportunity as well. That would give us two for both centre-back positions. I wouldn't be surprised to to see that, but in the meantime, I'd like to see Dyke Steele at uh, right-back just for for what he offers in terms of combination play on the right-hand side. Agreed. Um, and I'd like to see uh, Vandenberg centre-half. Um, good ball-playing centre-half as well. Yeah, I think he'll be great. And within the next couple of years, I think he's got so much development to, to do, but he already looks very good. So he, he's just going to continue getting better. I think this is one where the recruitment team obviously very very early to say this but i think they've they've spotted a gem there and it's just up to us to polish that gem yeah and on the other end of the of the career spectrum uh johnny housen um and this question is from gockle and he says would you offer housen a new contract next season as things currently stand uh dana would you offer housen a new deal i don't see why not i mean if this was housen under warnock where i thought he was playing poorly and half our fans did not buy an eyelid towards that <laughs> i'd probably say yeah it's time for Houston to be phased out but he seems to have this performance resurrection every so often and I think he's still a, a key part of this midfield and I think Johnny Housen will 
end his career at Middlesbrough. I think that's fairly likely. I would give him a new contract. I, I don't really see why not. I know we've do we do have Barlasser and we could potentially sign Lewis O'Brien on a permanent deal. You think about the option that we have in Sam Greenwood's deal. I'd be interested to see if we've got one in there for Lewis O'Brien. But I would probably keep um, Housen around. I think he's good for Hackney as well in terms of just learning the game and and things like that. I mean, as if Hackney doesn't, as if Hackney needs uh, another player to learn off when he's got Michael Carrick as a manager. But yeah, I don't really see why not. Yeah. Okay, then. Um, I think for me, it depends what division we're in. I don't think we'll be in the Premier League, Johnny, don't worry. (laughs) I know, I was talking about League One. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, if somehow we did manage to get promoted, I'd be doing me me standard football manager offering house and a player-coach contract and just not using him throughout the season, just to keep him around, really. But, um, yeah... I mean, my personal view on it as well is that he seems to get a one-year extension every year, and I don't think this year's going to be any different. Show sure goes yeah. on with Johnny Housen. Show sure goes on, and you're a Johnny Housen guy, aren't you, Tom? So, um, but the, the final question is from John. He says, "How many more opportunities does Jones have to waste uh, before he gets benched?" This comes, I think, from end product as I Jones. Um, we've spoke about him many times in this podcast, and kind of get better, kind of get worse. He is very inconsistent. I feel like scientists will have to review his I Jones performances sometimes because some of them are just like not humanely possible. Like how you can do something so good and then something so shit in the space of a minute. But what do we think, guys, in this one? How many opportunities does Jones get? Would you actually bench him anywhere, Tom? Would you would you bench bench his I Jones? I don't know because I, th- I think it depends what other options that we we have. I'm still not totally convinced by Sammy Silvera over 90 minutes. I think his best football at the moment came as an impact sub. Morgan Rogers, I'm kind of more used to, to seeing as a number 10. I don't know how he'd do in that, that winger position. I, I had an idea during the game yesterday to potentially try like a laugh on the right and, and have him kind of being able to, to cut in and interact with Coburn. We don't lose what Crooks brings at number 10 at that point, but you know, I, I don't think that's how Michael Carrick would see Latter laugh. Um and obviously Force is injured. So personally I I, I persevere with Jones. You know, it was only a, a few weeks ago um at the Sunderland game where we he was being absolutely lauded for, for his performance and you know, leaving Jack Clark sat on the floor to assist goals and, and stuff. He's clearly got that ability. He's been better this year. Potentially, like going back to that last qu- uh, question about the defensive changes, potentially if we bring Dysdale in and you know there's more interaction down that right hand side, it might help Jones out. But also, I think Carrick has to kind of coach him through this. You look at last season; Force was the the go to on the right wing a lot. It wasn't really Jones. This is really Jones's first full season uh, under under Michael Carrick. You you would probably say, kind of given the the problems he had last year. I, I think you just need to coach him through it. I think there's there's obviously a player there. You just need to to kind of point him in the right direction, I, I think, with with some of his play. Then have you got anything to add on that one? What do you think? Yeah, I think he's our only fit out-and-out winger because you think of our other wide options, they're more of players that are going to cut inside and try to shoot, and I think Jones gives us that quite natural width. Force is the other one who 
is definitely not categorized as a striker anymore. Let's be honest. He's a winger, but he's, he's not fit. He's injured. So in terms of style and the type of option that you want in that position, I think we do need that blend of someone that is going to cut inside and roam into those central areas. Like we see with Sam Greenwood on the left, but on the other side, we want to see that natural width just to give us that extra option to stretch the play, to give us a, a little bit of a different avenue. So I would persevere with Jones purely because I just don't think that there's another option there. I, I did say Morgan Rogers earlier in the show. I kind of do want to see that, but at the same point, I also want to see him through the middle. So I would I would stick with Jones. As frustrating as he is, he's also got the ability to just click and to have a 10 out of 10 man of the match performance so hopefully we could see that sooner rather than later okay then uh well thank you very much everyone for your questions um and let's move on to present place Ah, yes, everyone's second favourite part of the show behind Shithouse Island it is the praise and place, and the only place. Let's give praise to a player, a coaching staff member, Tom's beautiful green jumper, and Dana's lovely scarfs behind her. Um, I don't really know what else to add which into the praise and place at all, but you decide. You watch, add some praise. Uh, but the first uh, person I want to come to this week to be in the praise and place is Dana Malt, who is in your praise and place. I thought you were saying I was in the prison place there. Thanks, Johnny. Um, in terms of <laughs> who's in my prison place, I mean, Morgan Rogers' first performance against Exeter. I know it was a low league opposition, but it was just really, really enjoyable to watch him on Tuesday night, driving with the ball, taking it from deep, bringing it up the pitch, spinning beyond players. And he got really into the game after he scored. There was a period of five or so minutes where he was really on it. He took the ball on the byline, shimmy past one player, shimmy past another. And he was the one that was quickening the tempo even before his goal. And then after it as well, he was just very good and intelligent in his link-up play. And then Dan Barlaster as well in the same game in the first half where Borough were maybe a little bit, I wouldn't say they were off-boil. They just didn't have that quickness to it. But Dan Marlaster was making sure that that ball was being circulated. He was popping the the ball to players in better positions, progressing the player. And it's not necessarily a headline type of performance or headline actions within a game. But to do that efficiently and very well, I think is definitely worthy of praise. I thought he kept things ticking as the cliche goes. So I'd praise him for that. And yeah, them two really, because I want to focus on that Exeter game a little bit more than than the Plymouth one. I thought them two were were good, but Morgan Rogers was the standout. It was a fantastic performance from him. Yeah, so Rogers and Valassa. Tom, who are you going to go for? Who's in your your present place this week? I'll I'll also go for for Morgan Rogers. I thought he played really well on Tuesday, and that worldie of a goal just absolutely cemented him in the in the present place for me and as with most weeks Hayden Hackney is still in there just incredible player to watch like honestly I can't remember the last time I've been I've enjoyed watching a centre midfielder play for Borough so much like potentially Tav under Wilder was maybe kind of getting to this level but he's still not on this level of you know enjoyment of, of watching uh, a centre midfielder play. You know, I actually can't remember from thirty years of, of watching Borough too many others I say thirty years of watching Borough. I wasn't watching Borough when I was a baby. But <laughs> I was thinking that. He's fresh out the womb and he's sticking on the telly I watched Borough against Aston Villa. Oh yeah, cable remote 
the other day, yeah. Sky wasn't a thing back then. But um <laughs> yeah, I just I, I can't remember too many other examples of such fun centre midfielders to watch just coming on so well as a player. Mm. Yeah, and look, he's a really good player, isn't he, Hackney? I think he is probably one of Boris' best this season. Um, I think for me, though, Morgan Rogers, I think, naturally gets my place. Um, as soon as you look, hat-trick from Rogers and like Steele again, just because he's just wonderful uh, to, to watch. Um, and I think that's kind of it for me, really. I, you know, I think we're very easy to give Rogers out. I just want to throw a Dykes in because I love him, so <laughs> we're going to go with that. <laughs> Um, but now it's well, let's move on. Let's do some bit of trivia now because we all love a bit of trivia. Um, and guys, get your notepads ready because um, I want to give you two questions this week. And question number one is: What season was the last uh, time Borough did the league double over Leicester? And secondly, who is the top scorer in uh, the Borough versus Leicester fixture? Guys, are you ready? If so, the timer starts now. Your time is up. Um, guys, it's trivia time. Uh, I want your answers. Tom, come with you first. What was the last season Borough did the double over Leicester? And who is the top goal scorer between Borough and Leicester? These are both absolute guesses, so I don't want anyone coming at me in the comments for, for not knowing me Borough history or something here. But I've gone with 0304 and Macaroni. I just seem to remember maybe on the Borough Blitz DVD that I've got, uh, around Banging that up. time, uh, we we had uh, quite a heavy home win against Leicester, maybe. So I'm going with that. Yeah, that's a great DVD. Borough need to bring some of those DVDs back. I remember when I used to do, like season reviews and Ali Brown used to like narrate. That was hit Euro the... Euro Dream DVDs where it's at. Yeah. I just yeah. never watched the final. Turn it <laughs> off before the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah, it's turn off. Then uh, what are you going to go for? I've gone for 1999-2000, and in terms of a top scorer, my mind immediately went to Heskey, but then also Vardy's been at Leicester for a long time, and he's also the epitome of a menace, so I've gone with Vardy as well, but I'm not sure. Okay, so the answers are in. The answer is, the last time Borough did a double over Leicester was in 2001 to 2002 season. Oh, so, Tom, you just season off. I think you're season off as well. Um, yeah. And then the top goal scorer in the fixture is actually Yakubu uh, with three goals. So, then you go, uh, which is a bit yeah. of an odd one. I got it from Transfer Marked, and if it's wrong, it's wrong. Um, we're going to get Sean Wilson on the podcast very soon uh, to give us his fact and history of the week. So we'll, that will soon change uh, from there. But let's move on uh, to the game itself. Um, and the league leaders, Leicester, have won te- well, they actually did win 10 in a row until Leeds beat them on Friday night 1 0 uh, at the King Power. But we spoke to Chris uh, from Leicester Till I Die uh, to find out a little bit more what Enzo Moresca said. Hi Johnny, it's Chris from Leicester Till I Die. How you doing? Uh, I had a few minutes tonight, so I thought, better do this just in case I sleep in in the morning. Uh, so here we go. 
Leicester this season. It's nice to be winning again. Uh, that's all I can say, although obviously last time out we didn't. But honestly, the start we've had, we could only have dreamed about. Yes, we've lost twice, Hull, um, which was... Uh, Unlucky, but um, we just didn't take our chances. Leeds, credit to them. I think whoever finishes above Leeds this term will actually get promoted. They are the best team to date that we have played so far this season. Uh, summer transfers, where do I start? People are calling us the Man City of the Championship, but in fact, uh, we spent less on incoming than we got from uh, outgoing. So we haven't gone mad. We've got 80 million just short for Madison and Barnes, and with no way if we spent uh, sort of near that. But we also let a hell of a lot more players go um, that were out of contract. We may have kept them had we stayed in the Premier League, but there was more outgoings than there were incomings. But the incomings we've made... Wow, maybe five players from last season still in the squad. Apart from that, it's new. Have they gelled well? Uh, Winks, I mean, wow, what a signing. Signing of the summer, I believe, in the whole championship, not just Leicester. Fatu, we've got on loan with an option to buy on the wing. He is young and he is going to... If we sold um, Maguire for £80 million, and we come to sell him if we sign him, and I believe we will do, we're going to get £100 million for him. He's going to be amazing. Mavadidi uh, on the other wing. What a... Again, another sign-in. But you've also got to look at the players that we kept that uh, Marquez has turned round. You know, Ndidi, yes, he's been injured, but he was doing nothing under... Uh, Brendan Rodgers, but having said that, none of the team were doing anything under Brendan Rodgers. Glad he went in the end. Twinkle Toad, indeedy now. You know, he could he could be on Strictly Come Dancing. He's a player transformed. And Yannick Vestergaard, wow. Uh, the player everybody loved to hate. Bought by Rodgers. God knows why, because he wasn't a Rodgers-style player. Didn't fit into Rodgers' style of play. But, wow. Again, you know, he's he's... Turned him round so much, and he started very well. Apart from a couple of games, uh, one in the cup, one he was banned for, he, he started every game. Amazing player, style of play. Well, we do like to hold on to the ball, we slow it down, we play it out from the back. Uh, the new goalkeeper, Mads Hermanson, is the epitome of the sweeper keeper. Uh, we know we will invite teams on to us. Uh, you know, if you want the ball, you've got to come and get it. Uh, that's the sort of game we play. Leeds didn't let us play that. Leeds said, we're coming to get it whether you want us to or not, and fair play to them. Who could be a threat to you? Look, we've, you know, we've, we've played 15 games. We've got 13 different goal scorers. Vardy's not even, you know, in, in the top two. You know, you, you, you can take our strikers out and our wingers will just hurt you. They will, so... You know, it's like, it's like asking me who who is going to be my favourite child. <laughs> if you like, I can't pick. There's just so many players that could hurt you if you let us play our game. It's away from home, and we've not lost away from home all season. We're not even drawn. We've won every single away game. So it'll be interesting. Uh, score prediction, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. And this is what I'm looking to see. We responded to the whole game when we lost to Hull very well, but we did have the international break just after. Here we're going from playing 
uh, Leeds and losing to play in Middlesbrough straight away, and it will be interesting to see. I want to see how we how we react to that loss. Uh, but I've got to go with my team this season, uh, and I'm going to go um, 3-1 to, to Leicester. Sorry, guys, but uh, I do wish you all the best for the season, and uh, take care. Yes, so thank you very much uh, for that, Chris, and, you know, what a time to be a Leicester fan and over the last few years, you know, Cups, Champions League, winning the Prem, relegation. <laughs> just the, they've, they've had it all and they've been very fortunate and over the last few years Leicester and I mean credit to them you know guys obviously the game will come to your predictions in just a moment but what you, what comes to mind when you think of of, of Borough Leicester um, for me I always think of Emil Heskey scoring Wembley and you know them winning in the in the replay and breaking Boris hearts and got a good story about that as well because my, my dad and my uncle Dave went to that game and my dad said put the ribbons on the cup and Heskey scored about 20 seconds later so he could be in the original um <laughs> oh, the, no. yeah yeah and he's probably gonna watch this like, yeah he's gonna be watching this and uh, he'll be like fuck's sake Johnny why did I have to tell everyone that um <laughs> what it is uh, what it is yeah, so there you go. How about that? Um, but what was uh, what do you think of guys uh, when you think of, of Borough versus Leicester? Um, Tom, I'm gonna to come to you first. I think of the 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 last time I ever left a game early. <clears throat> I think this was maybe 2003 ish, but as I remember, we were 3 1 down. Me and my dad looked at each other like, ah, we're not getting anything out of this. We we walked out probably about 88th, 89th minute. I, I want to say this was a long time ago. Got out the stadium, heard a massive cheer. So we thought, oh, we've made it 3 2, but we're not going to get much else out of this. We literally walked to where Temenos is now, which was a car park at the time. And there was a guy who had Century FM playing with his car door open, jumping around all over the place because we just equalized to make it 3 3. So. <laughs> Yeah, me and my dad walked out for um, the last couple of minutes in injury time and missed two goals, including an all-important equaliser. So that is the reason now why I don't leave games uh, early anymore, even if I'll go down to the concourse because I'm in a mood and I don't want to see the final whistle. Like when you know Burnley won last season and, and won the league, I'll always kind of stay in the concourse and, and watch the end of it because of that game. Yeah, and Dana, what are you, you going to go for? I've got, I've got one more memory to add before I put my predictions, but what are you going to go for? Yeah, mine's a random one. It's the very first game of the 2013-14 season. We lost, obviously. But it was the first game that I uh, got moved my season card seat because they put that... Um, I don't know what it is, but there's like... Uh, an area for I think it's the commentators actually the Sky Sports commentators in the, at the top of the east stand I was actually there in that row of seats so I had to be moved and I just remember it was very very sunny and we lost that game so yeah the the start of my new seat that I sit in now um, at the end in block 40 something I, I mean I've been sat there for god knows how long and I don't even know what block it is very me mm. But yeah, that that's what comes to mind. And then that two-two draw in the Premier League, where it seemed like we had it, and then was it Martin Darun conceded that mm, we gave away that penalty? Yeah. We conceded it. Yeah, ridiculous. Yeah, the Gradles got double that day. Oof, unreal. Mm. Very, very good. I'm still can't believe we had an Alvaro Gradle up top. That's just insane to me. And he, um, he signed but... on my birthday, so that was a nice present. 
God bless the great away. Uh, but I was going to say the last thing that comes to mind is there's a goal, and if you haven't seen it, and I think it's probably one of the best goals I've probably seen a poor, poor strike score, but it's Alan Boxic at Filbert Street, which is the old uh, Leicester um, stadium. I think it was the year we actually did a double over them. Um, and he gets the ball and he has a lovely chip, and it is absolutely sensational. Um, so if he's going to watch a goal, Alan Boxic against Leicester, I think 2001. Again, unreal. Um, but let's move on to predictions now. And as Dana's just killed a fly, um, we were like to... I missed it completely, <laughs> that, actually. That, I, say, I did a Sammy school there. It's like so Isaiah Jones' left-footed volley yesterday. I didn't even Why get the connection it? right on my arm. <laughs> um, I'm going to predict that fly sees the game on Saturday. Um, Tom, <laughs> exactly what are you going to predict? What's your predictions? I'm going to go 1-0, Borough. I'm going to predict exactly the type of scoreline I want to see. And we're just going to gonna grind it out and go off into the international break on a win. And for you, Dana, what are you going to go for? Unfortunately, I'm going to go for a Leicester win. I think 3-1 to them. I'm actually going to go the same with Chris, uh, same as Chris. Mm. Yeah, and they have got an absolutely unbelievable sides. You know, they have no right to be in the in the championship. But like Harry Wings and centre midfield, who top six player last year. Um, Jimmy Vardy still got a little bit of him in Iacho. Again, Premier League player. But the whole team, they should be in this form. They should be winning every game. So anything that you know Enzo Morasco doesn't do, and I mean, you've got to, you've got to have record points this year, in my opinion. Um, but I think it'll be a 2-2 draw I'm going to go for. Um, you know, Borough will come from 2-0 down to draw 2-2. Um, well, guys, thank you very much uh, for joining me, as always, to the listeners and the viewers. Thank you very much for watching us and listening as well. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating on your podcast provider. Don't forget to give this video a thumbs up, and don't forget to subscribe to the Borough Breakdown channel. Uh, there's 40% of you uh, that watch these videos every week and haven't subscribed yet, so do subscribe. Get our numbers up. It'll be fantastic for us. Uh, but for right now, uh, two games with plenty of bangers, but can Borough keep the spark alive against Leicester and create a firework display? This has been the Board Breakdown podcast, and that was our Board Master Chat in a pod. Up the Board Breakdown. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.